Today's podcast is sponsored by the Law Center in Highlands Ranch, Colorado. The Law Center is a full-service, multi-office law firm serving clients in Colorado, Nebraska, and Kansas. Do your clients need a will or trust or simply a review of their existing estate planning docs? Has someone died and your client needs help maneuvering through the trust administration or probate process? Do your business owner clients have the documents in place to ensure a smooth transition of the business? Contact the Law Center and let us help you help your clients. The Law Center offers probate and trust administration services throughout Colorado, Kansas, and Nebraska, as well as estate asset protection and tax planning assistance. To learn more, visit thelawcenterpc.com. Welcome to Tax Boss. I'm Merrill Bailey in Orlando, Florida. And I'm Crystal Woodbury in Denver, Colorado. We're each licensed as attorneys and CPAs. We help our clients get the best results because we work well with their trusted advisors. Tax Boss is a podcast for advisors from multiple professions to get together to discuss common client issues and how we can work together to solve them. In this episode, we discussed the death of a client and the information necessary to complete funeral home paperwork. So, Meryl, as you know, um, I serve as a fiduciary for many clients as trustee of revocable or irrevocable trusts. I'm named as personal representative under Wells and serve as power of attorney for several clients. Um, And I've come up with a pretty extensive list of information um, that I like to receive from my clients, where they bank, where they hold other assets, um, real estate, the same kind of information we get as estate planning attorneys. I have added to that who your doctors are, what medications you're on, things I need to know to take care of the client while they're alive. Um, I recently had a client pass away and was working with the mortuary on taking care of her remains, getting her buried, that sort of thing. And the owner of the mortuary called me and asked me three questions that I had never thought to ask clients and I had no idea how to answer. And they were... In what city was the client born? What's her mother's name, including maiden name, and what's her father's name? Oh, that's so interesting. And it comes up all the time because people don't know what to do when a loved one dies and they're shocked by that. And these questions, they don't know these questions or they give wrong answers a lot. (laughs) Right. And a lot of times the next of kin is the immediate contact for a funeral home. And they have a lot of that information. Um, But there are more and more clients who are naming independent fiduciaries or professional fiduciaries. And I don't know if you encounter that in Florida as well, because it is a lot of work when someone loses capacity. And when someone dies, there's a lot of work for a fiduciary to do, not just identifying assets and having them valued and notifying beneficiaries, um, but also that those items that need to be addressed in the first two or three days after someone passes away. And so do you, does your firm have an intake or documentation process to obtain that information in case the end-of-life fiduciary is not an immediate family member? We don't name ourselves in our documents as fiduciaries. We are careful to make sure that we name other people, my theory is I can protect the client better if I'm not acting in that position. 
unless it's a family member. And then, of course, we all get named as that because <laughs> between being CPAs and attorneys, of course, they're going to name us. <laughs> we know what we're doing. We know what we're doing. But we we have a method of collecting that information when the fiduciary comes in for us to assist them. But okay. generally, that doesn't happen until the death certificate information already has been attempted to be collected. Right. But we ask for, or I like to collect a copy of the client's birth certificate. And the birth certificate has all of that information on it. It does have that information. I've never thought to ask for the birth certificate. I will now. But I think we all find how much we don't know. Yeah. When we actually have to do it ourselves, <laughs> um, which makes me a better estate planning attorney over time because I learn more of that, what I don't know and what to ask for. Well, I think you live, you learn, but it is very interesting. So under Florida law, and it might be the same in Colorado, one of the things that has come up very often in my world is when we have a client, let's say it's uh, dad is in his 80s, he's a widow, so he's not married, and he has multiple adult children, and dad wants to get cremated. The mortuary or crematorium asks for all of the adult children to sign off on the cremation. Right. And one child doesn't want to do that. So how do you handle that? So what I talk to my clients about in advance is if they want to get cremated or actually with any of their burial desires, I suggest that they sign a document that I call the disposition of human remains. And it Mm -hmm. names who is in charge of making those decisions and who's in charge of the burial and who's going to make sure that they get cremated. Because if you have in writing whom you name in advance, then all the children would not have to sign the crematory documents to get cremated. And this came up even just last week. I have clients who have several children. It's a blended family. They have several children and they have lost contact with a couple of the children who have become fundamental religion practitioners in the mountains in the Northwest. And they haven't spoken to them in a couple of years because the children think that the parents are the two children think that the parents are far too liberal in their religious beliefs for their comfort. And they said if we wanted to get buried, I'm sorry, if we wanted to get cremated, they would never sign off on it because we wouldn't be able to contact them and they wouldn't come down from the mountain to handle these affairs. Right. So we did a disposition of human remains naming the one child that lives locally to be able to take care of all of it without having to involve the disassociated children. We have that same document here in Colorado. It's a statutory form. So if it's filled out, anybody can rely on it. And we list, you know, whether they want to be, or they, the client identifies whether they want to be cremated, entombed, buried, planted with a tree, whatever it might be. And where, if they pre-planned, where they pre-planned, if they want their ashes scattered somewhere, where they want them scattered. It also lists who the person or people are who can make that be so. And then it has a whole section for memorial services and funerals and, and what you want to have happen there. Um, like I said, in Colorado, it's statutory. Kansas does not have the same statute, but we have modified the form for use in Kansas. So at least it's directions. Right. What I have found is, let's assume it's parents. If the parents have cared enough 
to pre-plan and prepay their children, no matter how righteous they are in their beliefs of how the funeral should be held. Once they find out that the parents have already paid for it, I have never yet had an adult child be willing to pay with their own funds <laughs> to do something that the parents have already paid for. So yeah. they get off their high horse and all of a sudden what the parents decided to do was fine. And I'm being a little facetious about that, but it really is true. But the more you can plan in advance, the less burden you will be on your loved ones. It can be very stressful for a loved one to handle a funeral. I, I talk to people about, you know, in our culture is so interesting. Two of the most stressful things in your life are a marriage and a funeral. And in both instances, you're supposed to throw a party. Yes. And not everybody can throw a party like we can throw a party. Right. So that's very stressful for people. So you add the fact that they, that in most cases, there has been a period leading up to the death where the person that's handling all these affairs has been involved and is exhausted from the medical, dealing with the medical issues. And now they're expected to throw a funeral and they're expected to make all these decisions and they're supposed to know all these things and get this all wrapped up really quick because they think that they should have to do it. And in some religions, they do have to do it very, very quickly. Right. And they may not have any support and it is so, such a burden. So yes. I encourage my clients to do as much of this planning in advance and to have the conversations with anybody that's going to be coming around. Because if the children, adult children know what to expect right? and the parents have said, these are my boundaries and these are the things that they want, even if the children don't agree, they'll usually acquiesce. But if they have no idea what the parents want, that's when things get ugly. Well, and I think too, I, mortuaries and funeral homes provide a great service, but they are also salespeople. And if you pre-plan, you have the ability to control some of those decisions. And if you don't pre-plan, um, we ran into it with a family member of my husband's. Family members are sitting there in the funeral home in a time of incredible shock and sorrow and just want to get through the process and may end up spending money that they regret later because they're sitting with a salesperson. Right. And they are so vulnerable. Yes. So I agree. At a minimum, put your wishes in writing for your family. But if the best gift, I guess, you could give someone at your death, um, besides an inheritance, is pre-planning for your burial, cremation, funeral services, pre-planning all of that. So they're not making big decisions in a time of grief. I agree. Thanks for joining us. In this podcast, we discuss the death of a client and the information that is necessary to complete funeral home paperwork. Let us know what you think of this idea. Please contact us at taxbosspodcast.com. In our next episode, we are going to discuss do not resuscitate orders, living wills, and healthcare surrogates. How do these documents work together? How can your clients choose a proxy wisely? And how do you prepare the proxy? Until next time, I'm Meryl Bailey. And I'm Crystal Woodbury. Thanks for joining us. Go dazzle your clients like a tax boss. Today's podcast is sponsored in part by your caring law firm in Maitland, Florida. Do your clients need a will or trust? Has someone died and your clients need help with the endless paperwork? Do you have business owner clients trying to decide how to leave the company fairly amongst your family? Contact your caring law firm where clients are so satisfied you'll look like a hero for having referred them. Your caring law firm offers probate and trust administration services throughout Florida 
as well as estate asset protection and tax planning assistance. To learn more, visit yourcaringlawfirm.com.